I preached about the palms and Jesus riding into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. Last year I preached a message at this time called Selection Sunday because it was on this Sunday before the Passover that they would select their lambs for the Passover. And when Jesus comes into the city, he comes in as the Lamb of God, the select Lamb of God. But I always feel like sometimes, especially we Protestants, we, we miss the cross because on Palm Sunday we celebrate him riding into Jerusalem. Next Sunday is going to be an exciting Resurrection Sunday. We're going to uh, commemorate that with this an exciting service, and we're going to have baptisms next Sunday morning, and that's going to be an awesome, awesome morning. But if we're not careful, we can miss the cross. And if there's no cross, there is no resurrection. We've been doing this series called The Bucket List. We think about our bucket list. What are the things that we would like to do before we die? And we've kind of tossed that around in our small group. You know, we've, we've kind of done some brainstorm questions about what, what, is, what are the things that you'd like to do before you die? And most of us are wanting to go to the Mediterranean or we're wanting to see Europe or do those kinds of things. But we watched what Jesus was doing on his bucket list. And a, and a couple things really sort of struck me even after I got into the series. First of all, as I began to think about Jesus' bucket list, it dawned on me that Jesus was not in the process of filling his bucket. When we think of the bucket list, we think about filling our buckets. You know, what, what is it that we want to do? What do we want for ourselves before? But as I thought about Jesus in terms of the bucket list, it became very clear during this series that Jesus was emptying his bucket. And in fact, today's uh, message is called Every Last Drop. Every Last Drop. There's a great passage in Philippians chapter 2. It's, it's considered one of the earliest hymns of the church. And uh, there's, there's actually a word for, for that uh, hymn, and it's called uh, the kenosis. And the kenosis uh, says this, Have this mind among you which, was, uh, in your, which, is your, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, although he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But then it said, he emptied himself. He emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And what the Apostle Paul is teaching us here is that those of us who would follow Christ, life is not about filling our buckets, so to speak. But the Apostle Paul said that I want to spend and be spent for the gospel. That I want to take my life and I want to use it every last drop to glorify him. That my last breath would be to his glory. That I would use my life in some way to glorify God and to empty myself. And so I think about how this whole journey began. And you remember that Jesus goes through the temptation in the wilderness and the devil tempts him. And the Bible says that when he left the wilderness, he entered, uh, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. But did anybody remember what it said when he came out of the wilderness? When he came out of the wilderness, he was what? Filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus begins this journey 
filled with the Holy His bucket is filled. And he, and he walks into the temple and he, and he opens that passage in Isaiah and he begins to read uh, where he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. I'm not going to preach long this morning. There's not much that I want to add to, to the scripture that was, that, that was just read. But I mentioned that one thing that I noticed is that, is that Jesus uh, was emptying himself. But the other thing that dawned on me is this. When we think about bucket list, we think about the things that we want to do before we die. But one thing that struck me the further we got along in this whole series is this. that How many know the cross is not the end? And really our bucket list is not about the things that we want to do before we die, but what are the things that I want to do before I live again? What are the things that I want to do before I experience that resurrection life? And so even our death in some ways is the emptying of our bucket because we're not preparing for death. We're preparing for life. And so this morning, as we think of the story of Jesus, we grieve, don't we? But we grieve not as those who have no hope. As we look at the cross today, here, here's, here's some of the things that I wanted to uh, point out from the story. First of all, in our small group the other night, Coy said, we, we, remember last week we, we talked about the raising of Lazarus, and the week before we had talked about a man who was born blind being healed. And, and Coy just kind of blurted out, how did they think they were going to kill him? After healing a man who has been born blind, and after he raises Lazarus from the dead and they seek to kill him, how did they think that this was going to happen? And, and, and so... That actually got my mind thinking, and I was thinking about this scene and the crowds around Jesus, and he's in, he's in the judgment hall, and he's at the cross, and we hear the people yelling, crucify him. But I'm wondering now, I'm wondering now, based on what we know about Jesus, if maybe, maybe they were coming to see Houdini's greatest act. Maybe, maybe part of the reason that the crowd was there, and there's a tension when I, when I read this story, it's kind of like, how's he going to get out of this one? How many of you used to like to watch Batman and Robin? I did when I was a kid. How's he going to get out of this one? You know, you got to stay, how's he going to get out of this one? And he gets out of all of these things. You know, how, what's he going to do about this blind man? What's he going to do about Lazarus? How's he going to get out? And so now we've got the cross, and, and, and we know that. We know that they're thinking that because they're saying things like that. He saved others. Himself. He cannot save. They're goading him. Do something. Do something. This crowd who on Palm Sunday was saying, Hosanna to the son of David, is now yelling, crucify him. Here's the things that I notice is Jesus is, is, is uh, giving every last drop. The first thing that I noticed, well, first thing, Valerie, when you were reading the, the very first passage, it said, and I've never noticed that before, it said early in the morning. And the reason I noticed that is because that's what we're going to say on Easter, right? Early in the morning, the women came to the tomb and all of that. 
And, and that was a morning made in heaven. But, you know, how, how, many, how many know that for, for Judas, it, it, it felt like a morning that had come from hell? Early in the morning, the Bible says, it starts and it begins the story of Judas. And, and then we move on to Pilate's Hall. And the, 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 the first thing that I noticed, and if you're taking notes the, that were in your bulletins and want to fill in the blanks, I'm going to just do these very quickly. But the first thing that I noticed is he didn't defend himself. The, the chief priests, and they're, they're, they're bringing accusations against him, and he didn't say a word. And Pilate says, come on, Jesus, they're, they're saying you're the king of the Jews. What do you got to say for yourself? And Jesus didn't give himself any defense. He didn't defend himself. And Pilate, the Bible says, was amazed by this. Surely the crowd's thinking, this is, this is where Jesus is going to defend himself. This was, this was it, a, a good lawyer could have gotten Jesus off at this point, you know what I'm saying? A, a good lawyer could have, could have just explained that Jesus is not trying to overthrow Caesar here. He's talking about spiritual things. He's not trying to come into town and create problems for the Romans. A good lawyer could have stood up for him. He could have stood up for himself at that point. But he didn't defend himself. And then they begin to hurl insults at him, and they, they begin to spit at him. And the next uh, fill in the blank is he didn't fight back. Have you ever been spit at? I remember one time I was in high school, and I was, I was with a group called the God Squad, uh, they called us the God Squad. It was, not a, it was not a term of endearment. It was a term of making fun of us. And I was on the bus, and some of the uh, other crowd was there. And I remember a girl spitting at me and, say, and, and saying the word God Squad. And I, and I kind of took it, and I got off the bus. And when I got home and I got to the safety of my home, I, uh, my dad said, how was your day at school? And I just couldn't hold it anymore, and I started crying. Well, my brother, who was a heavyweight wrestler, he got on the bus the next day. I'm, all I'm going to say is they never gave me any trouble after that. There's something about being spit at. You know, here's Jesus who raises Lazarus from the dead, who heals blind men. He didn't have to take that kind of thing, but he doesn't fight back. Another thing that I noticed in the scripture is that they, they offered him Vinegar, they, they offered him wine mixed with gall, and he, ref, he tasted it, and then he refused it. What was that all about? That, that, that was one little act of mercy on the cross that they were giving him, because that was the anesthesia that would have taken some of his pain away on the cross, so he wouldn't have, to, he wouldn't have had to face the full brunt of the pain. Just take this wine and this gall. It's going to taste a little bit bitter, but when you take it, you're not going to feel the pain so much. And the Bible says he refused to drink the medicine that would have numbed his pain. And then they're goading him to come down from the cross. And, 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 and in my studies this week, I noticed something that I'd never noticed before. The Bible says, and, and they read it this morning, that when they were gambling for his clothes there at the, at the base of the cross, that the guards were set there to watch over him. Think about that. Why do you have to watch over a man who's got spikes in his hands nailed to a cross? 
Why do you have to send Roman guards to stand guard over a cross where Jesus has got spikes? What are we watching for? And I, and I think the reason that they're watching over him is because they're not sure what Jesus might do. And there are even some goading him, come down from the cross, come down from the cross. You saved others, save yourself. You raised Lazarus. You healed a man blind from birth. Come down from the cross. What does Jesus do with the last drops from his bucket? He doesn't come down from the cross. And then... He calls on God. There's been a lot made of Jesus saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Understand, however, that when a Jewish person would have heard those words, My God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? You know how we call hymns by the first line of the hymn, Amazing Grace? We're going to sing Amazing Grace this morning. A Jewish person would have said, We're going to sing, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That was Psalm 21. 22, I'm sorry. Psalm chapter 22, the first line of that psalm is, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So what is Jesus doing with some of his last drops? He's calling on God. But you have to understand more than the first line of that hymn to understand what's going on in Jesus' mind. As he's calling out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Let me just read to you a few excerpts from that Psalm 22. It says, dogs surround me, a pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. That's what Psalms 22 says. Psalms 22 says, they pierce my hands and my feet. Now listen to what Psalm 22 says. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. It says that in Psalms 22, where Jesus is is, is quoting that psalm, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then the psalm takes a turn and it says, From you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. Jesus is saying on the cross, I'm fulfilling my vows. And then he says, The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts, oh listen to Psalms 22, May your hearts live forever. What's Jesus thinking about on the cross? He's thinking about that psalm. And then Psalm 22 says, All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. And listen to this, All the families of the nations will bow down before him, for dominion belongs to the Lord. He rules over the nations. So in a moment where it looks like the Roman government is in control, In a moment where it looks like Jesus is just the victim there, he's quoting from a psalm that says, Hey, I know what it looks like right now, but dominion belongs to the Lord and all the families of the earth. All of the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. He, they will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn. And the last word of that psalm is, He has done it. 
He has done it. That's what Jesus is saying when he says it is finished. He's saying he has done it. And the last thing that I see that Jesus does on the cross, and this is no small thing, he gave his life. I I didn't say they took his life. The scripture says that he gave up his spirit. They didn't take his... He gave the last breath. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, gives up his spirit. Now Pilate asks a question. Pilate asks a question in that hall that day that echoed through the halls, and I believe it was heard outside the halls. If you could use your imagination this morning, I believe that that, that, that the words of Pilate echoed beyond Pilate's hall and out into the courtyard, and it was heard throughout Jerusalem. If I could be so bold, I would say that the question of Pilate was heard not just in Jerusalem, but in the suburbs, in Judea, and in Samaria, and finally that Pilate's question was heard in the ends of the earth and the question was this what shall I do then with Jesus who is called Messiah hear that question this morning we just heard what he did what are we going to do there were various there were various options Judas could not forgive himself. You know, when I read, when, when I heard what Judas did, Judas' repentance was almost perfect. The Bible says he had remorse. The Bible said he changed his mind. That's the word for repentance, metanoia. He changes his mind. Judas changes his mind about what he's done. Not only that, not only that, but Judas gives the money back. Isn't that what a repentance should be? He, he changes his mind. He feels remorse. He, he makes amends for what he's done. He gives the money back. But Judas, Judas messes up one thing. He can't forgive himself. The Bible says he goes out and hangs himself. Pilate and his wife, they, they, have, they have a technique what they're going to do with Jesus they try to avoid him Pilate's wife says don't have anything to do with us avoid it and Pilate's trying hard did did you catch that you know so I don't hear this talked about very often but did you catch the name of the guy they let go free his name was Jesus Jesus Barabbas and, and maybe this is a stretch, but I know one of the words for the Father is Abba. So Jesus is Jesus bar Abba. Do you want Jesus bar Abba? Jesus the Son of the Father? Or Jesus Barabbas? Assuming that surely they don't want this notorious criminal left with them. Pilate. As you know, the people said, give us Barabbas, and Pilate washes his hands. I just want to say this morning that no decision, 
is a decision. The decision not to decide is in itself a decision. There's a tradition that says that Pilate kind of went crazy after this and, and, uh, and, and suffered from a psychological issue where he was constantly washing his hands. No decision is a decision. The Jewish leaders tried to eliminate him. There are those today who would try to eliminate Jesus. Even so-called Christians who will gut Jesus of his powers and miracles and just try to make him into some harmless good man. You know why we need to eliminate Jesus? Because as long as Jesus is around, every president and every king in this world are just pretenders because there's only one king and it's Jesus. The crowd misunderstands him and turns on him. Do you understand that there was a crowd there that day that were ready to follow him? They would have followed him into battle. This Jesus who rode into Jerusalem a week before when palm brams were away, if he would have come off that cross, those that were yelling, crucify him, would have immediately turned and become his army. They misunderstood him and they turned on him. The Romans abused him. He's still abused today as he's treated with contempt. But the women, the Bible says, they, they watch him. I like that. The women are watching him. I want to say that this morning because there, there might be some people here today that, you know, maybe you're not ready to cross the line of faith, but you're sure watching. You know, I know, I know he just breathed his last breath. And I've seen dead people before and he's dead. But I can't take my eyes off of him and I can't take my eyes off the cross because there's something about this man. But then the Bible says, the centurion, maybe this is the first Christian, the centurion worships him. Did you catch? Did you catch when Jesus didn't defend himself? Some people talk about God ab- abandoning Jesus on the cross. The earth can't even stand it when Jesus dies. Earthquake happens. Holy men get up out of their graves and start walking into Jerusalem. I don't understand that. Ask Chris Oaks after church. He'll explain it all. Or Larry or somebody. I don't know what was going on there, but all I know is it's, it's just like, it's just like, oh, the earth can't even stand with, because here's the king of glory. He's given his life. Some Roman soldier sees all of this going on, and he just stands there, and he looks up at the cross. He says, surely... Surely, this must have been the Son of God. So I think the question hanging for all of us today is simply this. What will will you do? What will you do with Jesus? 
Pilate's question hangs here in North Knoxville this morning. What will you do with Jesus, who's called the Christ? What will you do with this one who gave it all, and then when it came time for his last drop, when he could have done it for himself? He didn't. By the way, when they were voting between Jesus and Barabbas to go free, which one would you have voted for? You know, I just kind of contemplated that question this week, Terry. And I thought, you know what? As much as I'd like to say I'd like Jesus to go free, if he goes free, I'm doomed. Frederick Beekner said that Jesus himself would have voted for Barabbas. Jesus himself would have voted for Barabbas to go free. The Gospel of John says it this way, no man takes my life. I lay it down. I lay it down. What will you do with Jesus?
heads and close our eyes right now. If there's any here today that for the first time would just like to say, I'd like to take the first step and just say, like the Roman centurion, surely this was the Son of God, that you would confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior today. I don't have it all figured out, but I do know this. There's something to this man. There's something to this cross. And if that's you today, would you just raise your hand in this building and say, today I'd just like to receive Jesus as my Savior. Would you do that in this room? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Amen. Thank you for that. Any today that just kind of sort of want to re-up and say, you know what? I just want to say here on Passion Sunday, I'm in. I want to follow this man and I want to give my life. The Bible says that we're all to take up our cross and follow him. To spend our lives not filling our buckets, but emptying our buckets for him. Could you all just pray this prayer after me? Dear Jesus, just everyone say what I say. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for not defending yourself. Thank you for not fighting back. Thank you for not coming down. Thank you for giving your life. I confess you as my Lord, and today I follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we just thank